Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 7 of the Web3 show. It's our final episode of 2021. What a year it's been, and uh, I must say I'm feeling a bit uh, reminiscent of, of the year, nostalgic as everyone's doing their year-end reviews, and uh, I'm, I'm really honored and privileged as usual to bring you um, our show. We missed a week last week, the Wizards were on holiday, but we're back I'm here with uh, Galactic Q coming uh, at you from the farmland in South Africa. He had to go stock up on red pills, which of which we will be dishing out quite a few today, I, I suspect. And uh, your guy in Tradfire in his new uh, office. Or oh, wait, uh, you you on a you're on a beach somewhere in in Norway, right? Uh, sipping a Kaipirunya. Your uh, your year ended strong. Must be one and, uh, in the uh, negative. Uh, <laughs> 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 but yeah, the the wizards are all back. We took a week off. We all needed a break. Uh, went on holiday. Um, pulled ourselves towards ourselves, and we're we're back. We have we. I, I think, boys, can we make a rule? Um, no weeks off from here on. Let's do it. Yeah, but otherwise, hope you that. hope you hope you guys are all uh, feeling recovered and. And rested. I know, uh, Jonty, you uh, took a couple of days in, in exile on your farm last week just to get away from everything. Um, I, had to, no, I, I had to have a tech, I had to have a tech detox for, for at least three days before I got yeah. back into the swing of things. Yeah, and I, I just uh, touched down in, in my my homeland, South Africa, again. I've gone up the east coast this week, so. Coming at you all from a tropical destination, but let, yeah, let's let's push on ahead. Uh, as usual, we'll be uh, doing uh, Q's market update for this week. Um, Q, I mean, we 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 had quite an in-depth um, market update two weeks ago, where we sort of gave a rundown of the setup for the the year end. Have things changed drastically since? Since uh, the two weeks ago, I've, uh, you know, obviously we've we've seen uh, lots of volatility volatility in the past two weeks. Um, but what's what's happening on your end? How are you feeling about things? And what's the outlook for the rest of the year? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, let's just start with like more of a, a non-technical viewpoint. If you just look at who's buying now, institutions are on holiday. Um, retail is taking a break over the festive season. So volume in the market is low. Um, so I'm not expecting there to be any fireworks over the, the last few days of, of the year. Um, and I mean, this is pretty much similar to what happened in December last year. Um, so I do think we're just going to continue this sort of sideways action range of our motion, which is what we discussed two weeks ago um, in the range of 42, well, 46,000 to 53,000 uh, being the broader range. But that being said, I am noticing a lot of similarities in the structure from the May crash that we had. So if you look at the, the daily structure and the 12 hourly structure, you'll see that after we had the big pullback in May, we got this sort of falling channel consolidation pattern before we broke to the upside again. And we're following a very similar structure to that, um, just obviously not as extreme. And I think we're going to continue in this pattern, continue in this sideways action um, until the open of quarter one, 2022, where we're going to start seeing fireworks again. But 
yeah, so that being said, I do see another range uh, swing low to the bottom of the range, the 46, possibly even 42K as one more swing push from the whales before the open of the new year. Um, but other than that, we range bound um, looking between the 46 to 53K levels um, for scalp trading if you are looking to trade it. So, so obviously, obviously, I mean, you mentioned the May crash we aren't looking at that sort of scale again, surely. So it's all going to happen. Or you think the consolidation will happen on a much tighter time horizon. And when everyone yeah. comes back to work, we should get back well, to business. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've had the big pullback. I mean, we're at what, almost, what was it? 69,000 was the high. I can't remember now. Um, yeah, yeah. We came all the way back to 42K. So it's, it's not as, but almost on an equivalent level of the crash we had in May. Um, and then we've been in the sideways action for a few weeks now. Um, I think it's like two weeks now. Um, so I definitely see it continuing for another week or two um, to round out a month of consolidation before we push back to the upside properly. We might get some volatility swings up to 53 or down to 42, as I said, but ultimately we range bound. So right now I am long on crypto and I'm longing the range. Um, yeah, and I'm DCAing into a lot of altcoins now because I think with the uptake of quarter, quarter one 2022, altcoins have been in consolidation for over a month now, a lot of the bigger ones especially. And we're starting to see some fundamental strength push on the bigger layer one narratives as well as some of the DeFi narratives as well. I mean, we saw our relevant, our, our, our stablecoin chain link <laughs> finally have a little bit of a push to the upside. Um, so we are seeing some strength, but ultimately until institutions come back in the new year, no one's going to try to be a hero now and pump the market. We just got to wait for the open. And what are your, what are your main for narratives? The new year or? Yeah, yeah. For, for Q1, like you, you referred to kind of BCA what, are, what kind of sectors are you looking, so looking into I'm, particularly? I'm mainly focusing on layer ones. Um, so my biggest DCA positions mm. are into the layer one protocols and layer two scaling. So for example, Matic is a layer two, layer ones being Solana and Phantom, um, and then Dot being the layer, you know, zero. <laughs> um, but but I think I think layer ones are going to have an incredible year, especially with the talk of ETH two launching later next year. Um, I think there's a lot of growth ahead for those uh, those com- uh, uh, companies. Um, another layer one I'm also looking into is Kadena, um, but I'm waiting for the chart to signal the buy for me. Um, but yeah, Wait, so sorry, is that, Cardo- is that Cardano? No, no, no. Kadena. <laughs> I wouldn't buy the thing off the internet, bro. <laughs> but that, sorry, that I misheard said, you. sorry, I misheard you. I misheard you. No, no, that being said, Cardano's chart's actually looking pretty good. <laughs> I think Cardano's going to have quite, a, quite an explosive quarter one, actually. But I, I refuse to put money into that project. <laughs> Not financial advice, eh, as usual. No, no, no. Um, so, sorry, Steiner, just to get back to you. So, layer one protocols is my main narrative for investment. Um, and I'm DCAing heavy into those big players. And then, obviously, DeFi-focused-centric ecosystems like Terra Luna. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be buying Terra Luna now. We just broke $100. I did take profit from Terra Luna. Mm. Um, I do see a pullback to the $80 range for Luna before we push up again, but a thousand dollar Luna 2022 is not a meme. No, not financial advice. 
<laughs> so yeah, and then <laughs> and then the other thing that I'm slowly branching into is metaverse. Um, we've had a nice pullback on a lot of metaverse plays. For example, while the worlds, the uh, Centraland has had a nice pullback as well. Um, so there's some short-term trade opportunities on metaverse ecosystem coins that I'm eyeing. I haven't been heavily allocating into those yet because I still think there's that macro pullback for gaming and metaverse coming and it's going to be big when it comes. But there's short-term opportunity yes. for quarter one with metaverse and gaming. Um, and I'm looking to slowly take advantage of that with very small allocations of my portfolio. Bulk is in layer one. And John's the, the metaverse pullback, I know you've been calling that for a long time, the metaverse game fire. Um, what, just to attach a metric lastly, before we close out the segment, um, if you were to put, uh, you know, a downward movement, are you looking at 50%? Could we even see like an 80% drop? Like, or is it too hard? Is it hard to tell? I think, I think anywhere between a 50 to 70% drop in the generally across the metaverse and gaming ecosystem is very likely, um, possibly even pushed to an 80% pullback considering how many low cap newly launched volatile projects there are in the space and how many scam projects there are in the space as well. So, you know, there's, there's like probably 10 blue chip icon game by slash metaverse projects out there, um, which are going to always do well. Sandbox, Decentraland, uh, Blocktopia, you know, coins like that, Wild Worlds, like big metaverse players like that, or GameFi, like for example, Star Atlas, and like GameFi happening on Solana especially is going to be big. Um, but I do think that 99% of the GameFi and metaverse tokens out there are just an idea similar to what we had with the DeFi boom. Um, so I do see, like we had with the DeFi boom, a 50 to even 80% pullback across the larger metaverse GameFi ecosystem space uh, within the next like six months, I would say at the most, depending on how bullish quarter one is. We could see a nice big rally for the market and then go into a four or five month consolidation bear trend over the middle of the, of the year next year before a strong finish towards the end of the year. Uh, you also forgot to mention uh, Wild, Wild Safari NFTs uh, <laughs> dropping soon on Ethereum. Massive metaverse play, surely. Oh, 100%, yeah. <laughs> little plug, little plug there, little plug there little for Q. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks Q for that market update. It's been a while. We've, we've missed those. Um, and we'll be, coming, uh, we'll be coming with another one next week with our first, first episode, our first market update of 2022. Let's see if things change in the next week um unlikely to but we'll still uh we'll still we'll still check in crypto you never know what can happen anyway boys moving on to the main segment um we've got one big topic for you all uh this morning uh, at least where we are um i i'm i mean if you've been on twitter in the past week or so you would have seen a uh a newly resigned from Twitter, Jack Dorsey, going absolutely ham on Twitter. It's like someone who, um, I think the guys on All In described it as, uh, you know, somewhat a, a, a founder basically losing their job and, and, and being able finally to like publicly voice, uh, what they've been harboring for the, for however many years. And, uh, that's, de I, I guess that's definitely what we've been seeing from Jack and now obviously making his moves into crypto. He's been extremely vocal about Web3 um, 
and just just to read uh you know he he was even teaming up with elon at some stage um i think this was a tweet um our guy in tradfi uh collated a bunch of these tweets and and uh, uh basically we're going to run through a bunch of them but just um the first one that i wanted to uh read out as a primer was um elon tweeted has anyone seen web3 i can't find it jack replies it's somewhere between a and z <laughs> <laughs> and Elon replies, mm, something, something. And um, I, th- I think just, just, just to like lay some context, and uh, I know Luca will definitely sort of piggyback uh, on on the back of this is that we're at a stage, I think, in crypto where we've been through, you know, the 2017 bull run. We had last year's bull run where I think. Crypto made a huge stride, and especially this year now, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, it's all going mainstream. You know, a, a lot of, you know, a lot of older family members who are in finance of mine, at least that I can see, are, you know, are talking about crypto, they're aware about crypto. And with all of that, there, there's misconceptions. And unfortunately, within the ecosystem, there are also, um, unfortunately, projects that are not legitimate that are being framed as as uh legitimate or you know there's scams we talked about squid coin uh you know back on episode one um i mean, and I mean did, you, you, did you did you see poo coin last night like a, <laughs> no a thousand come on. Percent in four hours yeah <laughs> but you see i mean I we've it. we've covered we've we've covered this sort of stuff but i think what what we're sort of going to touch on is more on the nft project GameFi, Metaverse, because let's be honest, guys, like I, I know, and this, this almost like questions the, the, the backbone of our, our own show, because obviously being called the Web3 show, I think we all, us three, we all share the same um, outlook about Web3, but this is a 10-year journey, in my opinion. I'm, I'm sure you guys share the same sentiment, but unfortunately, because of, you know, Facebook's rebrand to Meta, um, a bunch like just the hype in like like Q's covered uh, the hype in metaverse uh, game fire coins the web web three and metaverse in the past two three months has almost been the biggest flash in the pan of the year it's just been thrown around the term and I, I think there are misconceptions and so what we want to do is we want to actually question that in this episode and run through a few things um, I know uh, Luca you're loaded up with tweets um, to to basically run through. But I mean, just from your guys' perspective, what are the biggest problems you guys are seeing? What are, is it? Is it like sort of grifter NFT projects? Is it scams? Is it what, what are you guys? What are you guys seeing? Or is it just general, you know, misconceptions? Yeah. Well, I mean, sure. I, I kind of see it as we're just super early in the technology. So I think I think people are expecting a lot from Web three right now and instantly. When, as you said, it's a 10 year journey overnight, we're not going to have the perfect web three ecosystem. And I think a lot of the concerns about, you know, I was reading through a couple of the tweets that, that our guy in TradFire sourced for us. And, you know, a lot of the concerns were that VCs and these institution plays and their LP backers are going to be the ones that run web three. But 
you know, and that's largely true to an extent, you know, if you have money in the space, you're going to have more weight in the space. And that's, that's just the way this, this ecosystem works. And, you know, the bigger share you have in a company, the bigger share in the governance style, the bigger share in everything that you have. And ultimately you have the bigger share in web three. So it does kind of bring a centralized view to web three. Um, but that being said, we're so early that it's, it's quite difficult to, to say, you know, web through three is great, but it's doomed to fail. Um, which I think a lot of the, a lot of the tweets were kind of hinting at that, you know, web three is kind of not going to survive. So I do see it as there's a lot of scam in the space. I mean, we've got meme coins, like you said, there's a lot of rug pull NFT projects out there. There's a lot of rug pull gaming and metaverse things, a lot of piggyback hype projects, dev teams that don't know what they're fucking doing. There's, there's a ton of issues in the space. Um, and that's just largely what it is in an early emerging technology. And that's part of the growth because you have a ton of failed attempts to have your shining glories um, that ultimately carry the technology further. I think uh, I think uh, let's 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 dive into one or two of these tweets. Um, web Web two, you're the product. Web three, you're the exit liquidity for the pre market. <laughs> yeah, that was hectic. <laughs> and then Andre Andre Cronier, who's the um, who's the guy behind YFI, you um, in finance, and the bigger Phantom supporter. You aren't a community. You're a bag holder support group. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I, I think, you know, the reality is um, in any market you, you enter, um, you'll, be, you'll probably be exit liquidity for some sort of pre-mine in one form or another, right? Like, and Luca, I mean, just, explain, just explain what that, that actually means, like a pre-mine or what, that, what, what, they, what he's actually talking about there. Well, so, I mean, the, the analogy would be kind of you, you start a business um, and you're looking to expand and you raise capital um, in, in exchange for some kind of share of equity, right? And, and you kind of keep doing this, um, issuing shares as the business grows. Um, and, of course, the people that are early um, have gotten the most bang for their buck, right? And, and, and at some point, you know, maybe this company goes public. Um, and then, of course, th the price is, is some multiple um, of your entry price if you were an early investor um, and you can the, – the buy pressure coming in is your exit liquidity if you want to sell. And so, and so you can so. extend that to, to, to any market really. And I guess in, in the crypto space, how kind of capital formation is bootstrapped is in the, in the issuance of tokens. And, and what you'll have is, is VCs coming in um, and, and they'll say, you know, we, we, we want X amount of tokens at a certain price and uh, they'll, they'll provide the, the kind of base funding for the devs to, to do their thing. And then, and then you'll have later rounds, I mean, potentially culminating in, in IDOs. That's kind of like this iteration of the ICOs um, back in the day um, where, you know, you would have a small select group um, getting some tokens at a better price than the listing price, but still a multiple above private rounds. So, so you just have successive rounds uh, where the tokens get more and more expensive uh, to incentivize early investment. And then when this goes to the market, 
um, the market will generally be exit liquidity for early investors. So you, you kind of, I, I think this plays into your approach to the crypto space. I mean, you, you've got the opportunity to play a positive sum game or you can choose to play a zero sum game, right? I think because we know that in any market, early buyers um, on the open market uh, will be exit liquidity, uh, it's kind of your time horizon which is relevant. So I think I think it's not an inherent problem in the space. Um, it, it will just depend on your approach effectively in what form or, or other that is realized. Yeah, and we have that in, you know, we had that in Web2 in basically any when any startup comes, you know, from, from becoming a startup to a public company. For example, Peter Thiel invested $500,000 into Facebook in 2005 or 2004 at a certain share price that was very low probably because the company had just started. You know, on on the listing, on the IPO, he may have sold, but I mean that stake became worth a billion dollars and, and you know, to risk manage at that point, you, you definitely sell um, some shares to this influx of buyers coming through the public public markets. And just a point on that, you know, those buyers may have been exit liquidity for the early investors, but if you held from Facebook's IPO, uh, you would have made a lot of money, right? So um, it's 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 not the case that exit liquidity means you lose, right? Again, I think it, it depends on on whether you're playing a, a positive sum or zero sum game. I think to to just jump to the next tweet. Um, both of these things can be true. VCs invest in Web3. Web3 is the tech sector with the most non-VC investors by far. And, and I think this is so relevant because it, it's almost like there's been this groundswell of opposition to venture capital and crypto, almost like it's, it's, it's compromising the kind of decentralized identity of the space. But at the end of the day, uh, there's no sector in the economy that is as democratized from an access perspective as cryptocurrency, as the cryptocurrency markets. Yeah, for sure. And it's an interesting, look, I think it's definitely an interesting point when you first enter the, into the space and you, I mean, I mean, you look at what's happening, how, you know, and obviously, um, you know, A16Z, um, Andreessen Horowitz has been branded the sort of VC villain by Elon and Jack in the past week. But, you know, is that not necessary in some sense? Because to get these projects off the ground, truly, these truly great, you know, Web3 defining projects in the long run, do you not need that, those early backers to pour in the funds? Uh, you need this, you essentially need a, a startup team that's going to be backed by investors, right? To get the project off the ground. And that obviously then, that that's like, you know, traditionally how startups work, but, you know, Web3 has this whole narrative about community, everyone has access, but then you still have these private sale rounds. So it's like, it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit of a contradiction. Yeah. May, may, yeah. I think, I think one thing is, is, is pretty important to remember is, you know, like venture capital provides funding stability to companies. Like if you think about where game fires at the moment, you know, it's, it's, it's quite um, primitive, I would say. Um, if you want to have 
the A triple A equivalent, you know, you're gonna need game dev teams working round the clock for years. You know, you can't rely on a token emission schedule and a favorable market to fund this team. Right, like it might work, like they're definitely courageous people uh, diving headfirst um, into into game finds and building games. But to kind of have to kind of have this diffusion into the kind of greater gaming space, like it'll just require infrastructure and human capital where you need funding stability. And and A sixteen Z can <laughs> can provide that. Sequoia can provide that. Um, the crypto markets they they might, right? But you know, to to bootstrap triple A GameFi, you're gonna need uh, you're gonna need long term stability effectively. That's that's at least my take. Hugh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, like like I said in the Market Watch update, there's so many projects in the GameFi metaverse space that are just an idea. You know, they're they're a light paper and a and a kind of like a stock footage gameplay video <laughs> to try market. Um, and it's it's not sustainable. And that's why you do need these bigger entities that have the liquidity to back these startups of, pro of protocols that are looking to change the direction and the future of Web3. And naturally so, these VCs will have a lot of weight in the ecosystems. But I think where this weight does get mitigated, you know, is through the process of IDOs, um, and launch pads, which gives the retail an opportunity to get in at a fixed price at an early rate as well. And I know Steiner, you know, you, you and I traded a lot of those Pokestarter IDOs for the Polkadot ecosystem. And, you know, the, the gain yes. for the IDO investor was actually significantly greater over a six month period for most projects than the gain for a private sale investor due to the private sale unlock schedules. So IDO guys were able to really take advantage um, and treat open market retails exit liquidity where the VCs weren't necessarily able to do that instantly, maybe over a longer period of time over their one year or two year or three year unlock schedules. So that's a key point. Yeah. That's a key point. You really, yeah, you really had diffusion uh, of opportunity exactly. downstream. Exactly. Um, and, and I think again, it's it's dangerous to 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 kind of go for the uh, equality of outcomes approach versus kind of uh, um, opportunity, like like fairly distributed opportunity. You know, like you get into focus starter ideas, you have the opportunity to participate early. You can't hand everyone a ticket to paradise. No. Right. Like. And, and and maybe maybe one one more point. Um, so, so Jason Calacanis, <laughs> uh, DAOs are like LLCs but illegal, which I think I, I think there's more to this tweet um, than than kind of like what, what one would initially think because it, it sort of embodies the whole legal uncertainties that builders face in the crypto space at the moment, and another reason why we need uh, venture capital. We need the heavy hitters in the traditional space to kind of pave a way uh, for the crypto space in legacy institutions, right? Politics, like like we need we need legacy capital to some extent to 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 make space uh, for crypto on the agenda of politicians. So I think 
with with kind of deep investment from the tech sector, um, the crypto space overall will benefit. So yeah, and like, 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 yeah. Like, like that's, uh, that's Chris Dixon, right? Like for me, the main character in that, Chris Dixon, the general partner at, at A16Z, has been super vocal. I mean, he's, he's one of the biggest Web3 advocates. Um, you know, I think for all of us, that, that episode he did with, on Tim Ferriss with Naval was transformative and eye-opening about the possibilities of Web3. He doesn't feel like... The, the interesting thing to me is that he doesn't feel like this evil VC that's of, of which the picture is being painted by Elon and Jack on Twitter. He doesn't feel like that to me, and, and, and he's talked extensively about drawing up, you know, building legal counsels for all of his, um, your, you know, all of the startups that they back um, to, to essentially, like you say, Luca, bring, bring in uh, crypto and these uh, companies, crypto projects to the mainstream. They want to, they want to be proactive with regulators. They want to get ahead of this because, um, you know, without the support of regulators, without it being, um, without these things operating in a legal way and within legal structures, the longevity of the ecosystem will die out. Um, and I guess this was, I was just tying a thread, like then to pose the question to you both, you, you know, John, you mentioned the IDOs, Luca, Luca was talking about the impact of VCs. What happens in the next year or the next two to five years? I mean, is, is it a case where we need, both of those, you know, the, both of those structures, the IDOs to still allow retail to have the opportunity to invest and participate in the ecosystem and live the, you know, live the ethos of, of Web3 and the VCs also to build that key infrastructure in the correct way. Or does one, does one die out at some stage? I mean, one would think VC, the VCs no. would sort of edge out as time goes, as the Web3 ecosystem yeah, yeah, please. Can I be honest? I think, I think just, it, it, this is just the, the Chris Dixon tweet here, a thing you definitely don't Yes, this was interesting. Founders who are fully, fully engaged and have full control. And I think you're already seeing that with game developers, like, well, not, not game developers, developers in general, uh, like Du Quan from Terraform Labs and Daniel Sester um, from Abracadabra Money and Andre Cronier from Yun Finance, like capital, human capital will coalesce around these founders, right? And you're going to have the same sort of formation that you would have in, in traditional markets, I think. And, 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 and that is kind of where, where, where I would say we're going. Like you, at the moment, you've got this fractionalization of VC in the sense that everyone that invests early is a VC, but you know, the most success, successful VCs will continue to uh, accrue more capital. There'll be kind of this pooling of power while at the same time, I, I, I would say that access will still be open. Exactly. I mean, look, look at airdrops as well. You know, there's so, there's so many different um, diffusion methods that I don't think either will die out. I think VCs will have huge weights. But I think that the open retail will also have weight. Um, you know, I mean, look at the open dial airdrop, the SOS airdrop that happened on Christmas. Huge. You know, look at the the Uniswap and one inch airdrops that happened last year, December. 
you know, look at the, there's the MetaMask airdrop coming out now as the mask token, which is ENS. pretty, yeah, ENS airdrop. There's all these massive measures to distribute voting power, to distribute DAO stake, to distribute, you know, ownership of a project that I think obviously not every single project is doing that, but there's a lot of ways and new and projects that are doing it. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be quite a key narrative moving forward. Um, you know, so, so I guess to summarize then, like to me, this sounds as a way, you know, it comes down to the way you view the world. And I think this is, this is ultimately what we are here to do through this podcast, you know, through doing the show and, you know, in this episode showing that it's not just the VCs that are benefiting fully guys. Like, I mean, we, we disclosed on uh, whatever episode it was that we, we participated in the, in the polka dot ecosystem. For example, you guys have done a bunch of other things. You know, we've all been involved in different projects and we were investing alongside VCs. And I think that's the key thing, right? Is that we aren't, we aren't excluded anymore. Like we don't, you don't have to be an accredited investor. You just have to be, really enthusiastic and uh, either an really enthusiastic member of the community or believe deeply about a project and have capital. Um, but like the space is showing, and I think this needs to play out more and come to light more in the next year or two that, you know, people who are, who have nothing but are enthusiastic about a project can still benefit through these airdrops being early adopters. Uh, like, like we've said, um, just one thing to, to, to add on to that, I think you mentioned something interesting, you know, there's, there's, a quality, there's, there's opportunity if you have capital. I think with the emergence of GameFi and the ability to kind of accrue capital from nothing, um, it, it's going to democratize the space even further, effectively, is, is my take. So, so I well, think... I mean, not even just through uh, GameFi, I think, like, look at, like look at yield farming in general. You know, there, there, there's so much opportunity to generate i mean look at the look at the two but, but i mean there you still need initial capital right like to yield farm like to have to to, to yield farm meaningfully you you still need to d- deposit funds yeah but game yes. i think i think gamefly might even go even further no I, I think i think if you have play to earn free play to earn games right where if you get engaged early um you you benefit without kind of having to put down anything really um, yeah. I think that could really make a big difference. Again, I think I think maybe as a closing thought, like there there'll never be a quality of outcomes, right? But I, but I think there's probably no market where there's as much uh, equality and opportunity um, as as in crypto. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, look, I not not to go down another rabbit hole because this isn't our uh, you know our content for for this podcast, but what I believe is equality of outcomes is doesn't actually work. Equality of opportunity is what you want to work for. So I, I think in the end, web three needs to play out fully. We're right at the beginning. We're at the early innings. And as the equality of opportunity gets presented, I think all of this gets cleared up, but essentially this is what we, we we're here to do today. Um, you know, was to sort of just, I don't know, dive, you know, dive, dive into more of this and, and, uh, sort of unravel, uh, these tweets that can be just misconstrued on the face of them. Um, and I also wanted to make a quick note, guys. I don't know, like, 
if you just want to share, I think while we are, uh, you know, coming towards the end of this debunking Web3 episode, I think, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people, you know, in the past few weeks or whatever, and just been what I, from what I've been seeing, there's an, and I, and I want to just raise it and say an example, and maybe you guys can share as well other things you've seen and, and just a, a warning to people just to be careful in the space with the projects you're getting involved in and, and just to, you know, do a full due diligence and a, a good sort of um, recon of these things. There's this NFT project I heard of or a GameFi project that's completely random. And I know blue chips, blue chip projects I'd usually hear from about you guys or other reputable sources. And, you know, these two people, uh, two, three people getting involved in it. And basically it has a structure where um, in the game, there's different tranches of characters and less than 30 or 40 people get allocated the highest level characters. And basically they, those higher, highest level characters in the game earn Ethereum from the payments or the microtransactions and, and uh, that other participants in the game are making. Now, I hopefully I've put that across correctly um, or as it sounds, but to me that sounded immediately, my alarm bells were going off. Uh, my my J.Cal scam alarm bells were going off. It sounded exactly <laughs> like a pyramid scheme. You know, there's a few characters at the top of the pyramid who benefit enormously from thousands and thousands and thousands and a thousand thousands of people, you know, participating in the project. And, you know, it turns out this project is backed by a, you know, a, a famous uh, celebrity sports person who has over 40, 60 million followers on Instagram. So, you, you know, if you do the math, 1% of them, 500,000 sure. people coming into the ecosystem, a flood of crypto or ETH coming into the ecosystem. And these people just, and, and this is Luca, this comes back to that tweet, you know, <laughs> the, you know, uh, that Andre Cuneo said, which I, which I love. You're onto community. You're a bag holder support group. I think to me, yeah. that's, that's a bag holder support group forming. Um, and my alarm bells were going off and it made me quite fearful and scared for the next year or two as game fight. And I know I'm spending a bit of time on this, but I just, I, I do think it's important to, to get a warning out there. If something seems too good to be true or something, you know, or, or you know, false prom or false promises. The world is being promised to you, but you know, nothing ends up coming of it. Just be wary. I would say. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts to echo on that or other examples that you've heard of, because um, this is the first sort of GameFi metaverse NFT project that I've heard of that really doesn't sound ethically right. Yeah, it might be legal, and it's you know, uh, you can get away with this stuff within the crypto space. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. As we said, it's the wild west, but I just think it's wrong. Um, how, how it's, how it's set up like that. And I don't know if you guys even disagree with me, disagree with me. Um, but what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like like we, we touched on the market watch update as well. Ninety nine percent of the projects out there right now are just a, an idea, and there's a lot of scam. There's a lot of rug pulls. There's a lot of 
you know, projects like you mentioned, which have a big celebrity behind them, but ultimately it's just too good to be true. And unfortunately, a large portion of retail will fall for that, like they fell for meme coin mania and all these meme coins and rug pull coins that promise things that never delivered. So it's, it's important to do your own research, um, extensive research, and not just ape into something because, you know, some crypto guru on YouTube that's been trading for six months tells you to buy a coin. Rather, research it, find out about it yourself, and then buy. Um, but yeah, it is, it, is a, it is a Wild West kind of space. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, look, I mean, if you if you have a if you have like a positive sum mentality, you know, thinking long term, long term, this is going to do well. The space, like, you're not in a rush to buy low cap project or for um, cash. Yeah, basically, in, engage in cash grabs. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't need to you don't need to engage in the kind of short term trading where you know you're going to fall prey to people that are well-versed in the space to whale movements, right? Like if you zoom out, uh, if you're not worried about uh, short-term gains, uh, which which unfortunately is is, is endemic uh, in, in the crypto space, then then you'll be fine because, you know, you'll take the time to play a game before investing, right? Like you, you might scale in at, you know, some some fraction of the total amount you want to invest, but over a full year, because at the end of the day, I mean, Axie Infinity took a long time to form and is going to be around for a long time. You know, you, you, you didn't need to get in right at the start to see extraordinary gains. Like, you, if you invested at the bottom, at, at the lowest price from when it was trading, trading on Binance, right, you would have been up over 100x. Like, you didn't need to get it before it was on a centralized exchange. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I'm just trying to say, there are lots of viable entry points. So just to build on Quinnett's point, yeah. um, it doesn't make sense to ape into a space where 99 out of 100 of your bets are going to end up, uh, uh, or you're going to end up in 99 bag holder support groups. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like, like it's the bottom line is if you don't get in at IDO pre-sale wait till it's a multi-hundred million dollar market cap project listed on centralized exchanges and it's proven it's test of time before you buy it. Like, if you didn't buy Solana pre-sale, you know, you would have bought Solana at $40 on the centralized exchanges or maybe even lower, $20, once it had proven itself as an as a NFT structure or a gaming structure or an L1 structure. You know, so, so there, there's no rush, you know, waiting. I mean, look at, look at Terra Luna as well. Like, you know, these projects have done incredibly well, but at the beginning, they were also just an idea. And guys polka dot. In, yeah, polka dot. Guys who got in Terra Luna 20 cents or so have done incredibly well, but it went 20 cents all the way up to $18 before it had a pullback back to $4. That $4 would have been your proven test of time. You may not be getting the entry at yes. 26 cents or $1, but you're getting it at $4 and you're now sitting at 25 times your money. So it's IDO or it's proven test of time. That's, that's the two buy-ups. I don't think people should waste their time trying to ape into coins, sub 20 million, sub $50 million market cap. Um, yeah. 
unless you've got asymmetric there's info. Reason, there's a reason why yeah, leverage... Yeah, yeah, listen, unless you have yeah, asymmetric info, absolutely. obviously. But, but I, think, I think there's a reason why, like, all leverage trading platforms, at least the advertisements I get, need to end with the disclaimer that, like, 60 to 80% of all users lose money uh, overall from yeah. their trading. 100%. Right, like, yeah. Anyway... Yeah, it's taken the emotion out of it, and uh, no, the docket's full, and uh, we're gonna close out. Uh, Everyone, just take out the emotion. I think sit back, sit back, and relax for for the last week of twenty twenty one. Like you said, the fireworks are only most likely only going to come next year. So I think there's a bit of breathing space uh, for the next for the next few days. Unless uh, Q and Luca want to throw in a few uh, last-minute memes, uh, the docket's all ticked off. Uh, boys, it's been a privilege uh, building the show with you in the past few months of uh, in the last few months of 2021, and we'll pick it up again next week for the first episode of 2022. Um, thanks, everyone, for the episode. Have a great uh, New Year, and hope your Christmas break was great as well. We'll catch you in the new year for the next one.